Thanks for listening to another podcast from C3 Calgary West. Our hope is that this message will equip and inspire your walk with God. For more information about our church and community, check out myc3church.ca. <clears throat> All right, now let's, let's, have, let's have a little preach, if we could. Turn to your Bibles to Mark chapter 3. This is kind of the second, but it's kind of the first, and I'm going to talk about four aspects of discipleship. And we use, when we use the D word, that can mean different things. It can mean dollars, can mean divorce, can mean dads. Uh, for us, it's discipleship and disciples. In <clears throat> Mark chapter 3, there's a very interesting opening uh, few verses there in chapter um, 3 and verse 13. It said, afterwards, Jesus went up on a mountain, and he called the ones he wanted to go with him, and they came to him. I love this. And then he selected 12 of them to be his regular companions, and he called them apostles. He sent them out to preach, and he gave them authority to cast out demons. Such an interesting, and then he names who the disciples were. Discipleship is about development, Uh, We don't use the term disciple too often in our culture right now, unless you're part of a cult. It's not something that we would use, maybe not even something you want to admit that you are. But but we would probably use a term like like a a coach or or an apprentice. And uh, so Jesus essentially was apprenticing, different than Donald Trump apprentice, he's, he's, he's... Basically apprenticing some, some young men. Uh, we're not sure of their age. They were, clearly they were millennials, just judging by how they acted most of the time. Um, but here's what I want to make as a, as a summary statement of, my, of our, my talk here, that the best method is to be discipling others while you're being discipled. So he was discipling them and they were being discipled. I personally think that's the best path of growth and or development. My first point I wanna mention, I wanna say is that discipleship is directional. Um, This last week on Wednesday I got a text from my sister that my mom's husband had passed away. Brian is gone. Um, <clears throat> Mom had been married to him for the last nine years and another couple months. Uh, a week ago, he turned 90. Uh, just before I received that text, I was reading, had read a letter from a son he had wrote to his dad who, on his 80th birthday, and he titled the letter, A Life Well Lived. I personally, so when we talk about, I think, to have our greatest life, we need to actually be in a discipleship process, a development process of some kind. That's what I personally believe. And, and I have always loved Joshua chapter 14. <clears throat> and this is the word I want to minister to us at the end of this service. Um, there's a guy named Caleb who, who had been promised a piece of land by Moses. And, and he, as a result of other people's disobedience and fear, uh, he was not able to go in and get his inheritance. And there was, he uses this term, which I think is an awesome term, twice. He says that Caleb followed the Lord wholeheartedly. I, I personally want to finish my life well. I want to live a, my life well. 
If I'm going to do that, I need to be around people who are living their life well. This, this guy, Caleb, he didn't, he didn't live half-heartedly. Wholeheartedly implies that there's probably, there can be portions of your heart or something. But I love that. And I also love that he, the, the way he words it for himself, or he says um, how that, so two times he says it here. Um, and then verse 10, it says, now you can see, uh, you read that later. He's, but he waited 45 years for the promise. He was 40 when he got the promise. He waited 45 years. That's a long time to hold out for a promise. When we were singing that song, I Know a Breakthrough is Coming, I want to pray for breakthroughs this morning. You don't, I want, to, I want to participate in that breakthrough. So he said, I'm asking, I'm asking the Lord to give me the land he promised. So Joshua blessed Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and, and gave Hebron to him as an inheritance. And Hebron still belonged to the descendants of Caleb, uh, the Kezanite, because, but because he wholeheartedly followed the Lord, the Lord gave him... He got the land. The interesting about the land, it's the land of the Anak and the Anakites, which were the giants. These were the, this is the great battle in the universe. It's over seed. The seed of God. Well, we're told in Genesis chapter 3 that there's a seed that would bruise Satan's head. And then there was a seed that was going to bruise his heel. It's about seed. That's, that's the cosmic battle that's taking place. And of course, and so here, if you look further in chapter 15, you know that I'm fascinated with the Nephilim. And in chapter 15, verse 3, it names three of them there. There were still giants in the land. And at 85 years old, here I am just bumping into my 60s. At 85 years old, he said, I'm just as strong now as I was then. I wish I could say that. When he got the promise for it. I'm just as strong now. What was he doing? He was anticipating that a day was going to come and he better keep himself in shape because his destiny and his inheritance were, were still at stake. And as long as he lived, he was going to contend for his inheritance. There's, and so he says at 45, I don't care if there's still giants there. And it says he went in and he cleaned them out. This is fascinating to me. Discipleship is a direction. The question I have for us this morning is, are you being discipled? And you can say, how do I know? Well, you'll be able to name who's discipling you. And are you discipling anyone, apprenticing or coaching? How will you know? Because you'll be able to name them. We're, so the next question that I have, and I, I, I just read in Henry Nowen's book on uh, In the Name of Jesus, he says that most Christian leadership is exercised by people who do not know how to develop healthy, intimate relationships. Uh, in order for us to... Con to to develop and live a life well, we need to be in relationships. And we need to be in relationships where people are going in a similar direction to us <clears throat> and that can keep us accountable and on track. Uh, when, when every, every decade, a, a flip would switch for me. 30, gosh, that was a lifetime ago. <clears throat> 40, 50. At 60, a red light starts to flash. <clears throat> but what you do, you know, is that you're not going to be able to double your years any longer. And you become aware that if I'm going to finish well and live my life well, there's a few things I'm going to have to put in place to keep me on track. I, I think a good leader knows that he can't trust himself. And he needs a voice of others in his life. <clears throat> it's impossible to develop in isolation. Discipleship is not just a direction. It's not just directional. It's relational. If we read, we've already read, John actually already read Matthew chapter 28 about the Great Commission. 
and we're going to go to make disciples and baptize them. We make disciples of nations. It says there's lots of commentary on that nations, but effectively it's people. And because we don't baptize nations, but maybe we could metaphorically, I don't know. Um, but it says, and then teach them to obey. He's referring to um, very specific people. We know about the Great Commission, but I, I want to make us aware of the Great Omission. Because <laughs> while we are able to declare that, how many of us are actually in a discipleship relationship currently? A relationship where someone can actually ask you about how you're doing and what you're, where you're going. I ask my kids this. I, I don't get great answers all the time. But I just asked them a couple questions about their personal lives. Are you reading your Bibles? Are you praying in the Spirit? Are you loving your spouses? And just stuff like that. So parenting is a form of discipleship, I suppose. But I say we need people outside of our family to keep moving us along. All right, point number one and two. Discipleship is directional and it's also relational. Um, Point number three, it's instructional. In John chapter 3 and verse 22, it says, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent time with them. If you do a, gur- a gurgle, if you do a Google search or a gurgle, um, you'll find there will be over 20 million references will come up to how to become a maker or be a disciple. Uh, it's not that easily defined, Really. So I'm trying to make it as simple as I can. But here's, here's basically what it needs to be. When he says he spent time with him, the Greek word is diatribo. Don't be too impressed with that. But, but here's what it means. Dia means against and tribo to rub. So really to be, when he says he spent time with them, it means he rubbed against them. Do you have anybody rubbing against you? I mean, don't, we got. <laughs> See your hands. Uh, wait. But here's what happens. He, he was out with them, and what, what was taking place? What the, here's what was taking place. Jesus was rubbing off on his disciples because he had spent some time with them. You all, this happens all the time. When we get married, our spouses start to rub off on us. Kelly starts dressing like me now. Can you believe it? <laughs> Blue jeans and a white T-shirt. Look at her this morning. Brown shoes. We're the same. I rubbed off on her. You know, when we're told that steel sharpens steel, that's all very good, ex- except one piece of the steel has to be softer than the other in order for it to be sharpened. You have somebody sharpening you, rubbing off on you. So this can happen both positively and negatively, can't it? Bad company corrupts characters. Are the right people rubbing off on you? Who do you have that's rubbing off on you? And it should actually feel a little bit like sandpaper because we all got have edges that need to be rounded off. So, so life will do that. It'll grind you, and it'll either wear you down or else it'll polish you. Depends what you're made out of. So who's rubbing off on you? There, there's always people rubbing off on you. I told someone recently that I uh, asked them how, how much they were in the Word and were they believing for the promises of God for their marriage because if not, they're only all that was rubbing off on them was Hollywood. And it was shaping their thoughts about marriage. I would, I would like to submit to you that Hollywood is not a good example of marriage. You need to find somebody who's been at least in the game for 20 or 30 years, ask if you can have coffee with them, and let that rub off on you. Be diatribode. 
Let it rub against somebody. Otherwise, otherwise, just random things are going to rub against you. And you're going to end up, when your red light is flashing, when you hit 60 years of age, um, and you'll want to know, have I lived my life well? And I, I just so encouraged to see Greg French say, we're going to finish well. He's celebrating his 37th or 8th wedding anniversary. And I want to be around people like that. In another week, Kelly and I will have been married for 36 years. And I'm just, I'm just, gosh. And every time I'm with her, I learn something new about her, if you can believe it. By the way, can I just say something about, I, I'm also accountable to the things I said. I said, wives, respect your husbands. It goes without saying, you know, and, and be thankful for them. It goes without saying that, that men should do the same thing, right? I didn't need it. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Love is polite. Says please and thank you. Surprised at how many couples aren't polite. Rabbit trail. <clears throat> so to rub against and, um, and to, I'm, I'm very interested in watching Jesus' method. If you, read, if you read through chapter 5 before you get to chapter 6, uh, that where he sends them out. Chapter 5 is the, is the demoniac in the, in the Gadarenes. He's just been, you know, in caves cutting himself. And Jesus has the boys with him and he just does this this um, massive deliverance of a couple thousand demons. They get to watch him do that. Uh, then he says, now it's time to go. And they go, and a leader is wanting her, his daughter prayed for. And while he was on his way, somebody touches his tassel, and they get healed. And then he goes to his hometown, and uh, he can't, can't do many miracles there. It says, because of their unbelief. He's had, you know, three serious wins and one, mm, not so great. And he says, okay, now, chapter 6. And he kind of... Taps out, he said, now over to you, away you go. He, I, I just love that, that, and I think this is important, that we should do ministry by immersion, just like we do baptisms. Just throw somebody in over their head. Away <laughs> you go. I, I, but, you, but you know, here, here's the deal, is you can't fail, because you can always come back, get filled up again next Sunday. Every, right, you can always do that. Come back here, we'll hug you, hold you. You know, say, oh, poor, you had a few always this week, and then we'll send you out again. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is discipleship. It, it, it's not a destination. It's a direction. <laughs> and it's an instruction. And it's relationships, and it's also accountability. It's asking, being asked difficult and hard questions. I was interested to read this week about adult ed education theory. They, where they say, they, they use a principle called the 70-20-10 principle. 70% is learning on the job uh, tr and trial and error. 20% is learning by coaching and feedback. And 10% is, lear is learning uh, by listening and teaching and in conferences. I think that in following Christ, we've got that kind of backwards. And we have 70% of just teaching and only 10% of activity and a little bit of dialogue in, the tw in between. What if, we, what if, so this is the best way, they said, is for teachers to learn and for students to learn. So what if we adopted the 70-20-10 and 70% was just rolling up our sleeves and getting in the game, coming back saying, how did we do? And then having a little bit of coaching and then go do it again. Discipleship. I'm talking about discipleship, what dis discipleship is like. So, so who's rubbing off on you and who are you rubbing off on? I'm really encouraged to, that my son is now uh, using my dad jokes on his kids. It's pathetic, but <laughs> rubbing off. 
Last point, uh, faithful versus fruitful, and this is my point on accountability. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it's my final thought. Um, and most of you know they were, they, were, they were having big arguments about who's discipling who, and well, I'm of Apollos and I'm of Paul, and he's, you know, and, 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 and Paul um, sharpens him up a little, and he said, here's what, here's what we have to understand is n- nobody can make anybody grow. We can water and we can sow, but it's only God that causes something to grow. It's a miracle of farming. It's just the miracle. I can't make anybody, I can't make you grow. Just like I can't make you learn, I can't make you obey. Are you kidding? That's too much pressure. That's your decision. There's only one type of motivation, self-motivation. Until you decide you want to, you ain't going to. Or you might, there might be a little bit of behavior modification on the outside. Like the little boy who was told to sit down, he's in the corner, he said, well, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. Sure. So he says, here's what happens. He says, he says, what we do, each of us, we ought to do our own work. Through us, God caused you to believe, and each of you did your own work that the Lord gave you. My job was to plant seeds in your heart. Apollo was to water it, but it was God, not we, who made it grow. <laughs> I, can do, I can't grow a church. That's arrogance to think. I can gather, and I can preach, and we can worship, and I can put up signs. I can do some of that stuff, but only God can make it grow. The pressure's off me, but I need to be faithful what he's asked me to do, and you need to do the same. Be faithful with the job that he's given you to do. Fruitfulness is dependent upon the Lord. Faithfulness is our part. It's, it's required of a steward that he be faithful. So my definition of success is no longer about fruitfulness. It's about have I been faithful? If I've been faithful today with what God has given me, if I've been faithful with my role as a husband, if I've been faithful with my role as a minister, if I've been faithful, I'm successful. The Lord has to do the rest. But our goal is to be faithful and then let, leave the fruit up to him. Um, there's three things that will dramatically increase your potential. First of all, private Bible time. Thanks a lot, Sherlock. I know, private Bible time, public worship time, and some group interaction time. Next week, I'm going to give you eight, eight metrics, outcomes. But when you leave today, just think about this. Am I, am I honestly having good enough personal time with the word of God and prayer? That's where, that's where it begins. Secondly, am I, am I committed to... A, a local church gathering where I can come and we can have public corporate worship. And I'll say more about that in days ahead. And am I part of a smaller group where actually they know me and I'm known and I can, there's some levels of accountability that are taking place. If not, I'd encourage you to commit to those, at least those three things. I was interested to read about Gary Kelly, the CEO of Southwest Airlines. Who it's, been, it's been profitable for 43 years straight. This is interesting to me. <clears throat> I'll just invite the band to come now. He was asked, what's your key? And he said, well, that's easy. Our key is our people. I love that. He said, if we take care of our employees, our employees will take care of our customers, and our customers will take care of our shareholders. I like to make that kind of general, maybe not quite that clear, but commitment 
to you as a church. We, we decided a couple years ago, I said, you know, we're doing pretty good at preaching the gospel, gathering, you know, for public service worship times and doing pretty good, doing pretty good at this. But you know what we really suck at is making disciples. Like, just, right? And it's, a, and it's a process, isn't it? So we, we, we took a valiant attempt at it. And um, I think, you know, I think it was not bad. And we, we invited specific people who are a little bit more committed levels of leadership or something into a, into a discipleship process. And um, I don't know. I'm just going to say it was our attempt. Because I honestly believe the Bible, someday I'm going to be measured against certain metrics. And one of them, he, I, I think he was really serious about this when he said, go make disciples. And I find, I, when I first gave my life to Christ, I was in a discipleship process. And mostly what that was was a small group. And each week I was asked, uh, I'd had to read through some material, I'd have to study my Bible, I'd have to gather again. And then somebody asked, did you do your work this week? It's kind of that simple. If you don't have somebody in your life that's doing that right now, the chances are that you're probably not growing as much as you could be. When Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, he said, I'd like to talk to you like, like as adults, and, but I can only give you milk right now. And that's because they were debating over who was their influence in their life, and rather than just keeping their heart and mind straight on what they were asked to do. Um, <clears throat> my, um, when, I, when I think of this passage when Jesus invites them out, uh, I like this. He says, he called the ones he wanted to go with them. You don't have to be involved in a small group with people that you don't like. He wanted to be with them. Our church is full of great people. I want to be with them all. So I show up every Sunday to be with y'all. But my, my recommendation is you find somebody who you'd like to be with who actually could help you to grow and say, could we meet on a regular or semi-regular basis and get together and study the Bible, pray a little bit? You can either start a, a group if you want or whatever you want. But my question is, are you being discipled and are you discipling? Because the best way for us to grow is not just by being discipled, but it's by discipling as we're being discipled. I don't want to just make disciples. I want to make disciples that make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. I want disciples that will multiply themselves and continually multiply. So that's really... That's really my <clears throat> question to you. I want, I want us to be a disciple-making church. And, and so in order to do that, we need to be committed to making disciples in, in that process. Uh, this morning, um, just coming back to the point about breakthrough, I want to pray for breakthroughs for people. I can't make the breakthrough happen, but I can agree with you to make it happen. And sometimes when I pray for people, I, I, you know, and I, I touch them, it's because I, the Lord gives me, a, almost instantly I'll get a picture, and then I, it t- tells me how to pray. Other times, um, I, get, I, get, I see like a whole a thing. I, it's kind of like a mist. I, I like to think it's like that. The, the fields are white under harvest. I, it's like a, that's what I see. And so then I pray generally over everybody. I don't know what I want to do right now. But I want, I want you, if you've been holding out for a breakthrough, and you've been waiting and it seems like it just hasn't come. And you know it's usually in one of three areas. Relationships, finances, or health. I have on, on good authority that this morning is a morning of breakthrough. And if you're holding out for any one of those three things, as they say, sing, come to the altar. And, and I want you to just rush the altar and I'm going to agree in prayer. And uh, your bre- I just want to remind you that your breakthrough is on the way. Let's all just stand together as you come. 
come to the altar. Just sing, come to the altar. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.